Well, good morning. Very welcome to you. I'm uh, booming out, aren't I? A little bit of. Uh, uh, I'm so glad that you're you're here and uh, on this day. And those of you that are joining us online, you know, last weekend we went down to minus 30, and the online attendance was the highest that we've ever had <laughs> since COVID. <laughs> so that was like, ah, come on, BC. We're tough. We, most of you genetically come from Manitoba anyway. Um, so, uh, or from the Ukraine. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, anyway, it's great. I'm glad you're here. We've been, if you're new to us, we've been working our way through the uh, book of James. We're in chapter 5. Uh, and chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. And um, here comes, uh, comes Zach. You're going to work on the signal, are you? That's good. Well, if you've got your Bibles while we work on the signal, let's turn to, um, to that verse and read it. Uh, now listen, you rich people, weep, wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Aren't you glad you came to church? Your wealth has rotten and, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you fail to pay, the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvest have reached the ears of the Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the days of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent ones who was who was not opposing you. Wow. This is the word of the Lord. Now, when you look at this verse, and we'll pop back to verse 1, and as you start to consider this verse and, and think about it, understand that, that James is stepping into a moment whereby he is speaking prophetically and powerfully into culture and into the Roman world. He's spoken uh, last week about the merchants and spoke about the way that they act and, and elevating yourselves and stepping on others and speaking negatively about each other and encourages them not to be self-absorbed, not to be self-driven, not to look at their lives and think that their ability to turn a deal and to always make a little bit of money in that kind of trading is what life is all about because life is short and therefore he wants them to live for Christ and not waste their time. And he wants them to know ultimately that whatever they're doing, whether they're prospering and making money, whatever they're involved in, it's not the problem. The problem is, is when you put yourself above the will of God within your life. It is about the will of God. It's about the purposes of God. But suddenly, he changes gear. And suddenly you get this language, this powerful language. Now listen, you rich people, 
weep and wail because of misery that is coming on you. James is now speaking as a prophetic voice about the culture of the Roman Empire. He's talking about landowners. He's talking about the Roman system. He's talking about the corruption, the pain, the agony that has been created. He's talking about farming and and agriculture. He's talking about those that own the massive estates, those that rule whole regions of the Roman Empire. He's talking about what is taking place between the gap between the, the poor, the needy, the day wages, the slaves, and then there are these little traders that we've, we've looked at last week, but now he's speaking to the heart of the Roman Empire. He's speaking speaking to the farmers. He's speaking to these people who are literally the super rich. Now we have to understand it's difficult in our day because when we think of farmers today, we don't always think of the super rich. When we think of farming today, it's very different. When we think of farming historically in Canada, it's a completely different uh, proposition. And so when we think about what he's speaking about, he's speaking about a Roman system. A Roman system that had elite people owning vast estates, producing incredible wealth that would fund the whole of the Roman Empire, fund the legions, fund all that they needed in their state, the emperor in government. And there were these people that owned, let's just call them super farms. And on these super farms, there they were able to amass riches and wealth. They were able to subdue the normal people. And the whole system was built around these elite people who literally took advantage of everybody else to be the the super rich within that, that society. And as a result, he brings three charges against the Roman world. He's speaking against the Roman world. He's speaking against the way that they're acting and the things that they're doing. And he brings these charges against them. And he's saying to them, actually, don't you realize you are going to be judged? Don't you realize that you, super rich, you who exploit, you who oppress, you who rule over, you who take the land and give nothing to the normal people. God sees this and God will judge you. So it's a powerful moment. He is standing up like Martin Luther King. He's standing up as it were, in the heart of Lord Shashbury. He's standing up with the spirit of Wilberforce. He's standing up and he's writing in the most profound way that unnerves the modern evangelical Western Christian church because he's looking at culture. He's looking at the, 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 the pain. He's looking at the agony and he's going, no, God does not agree with this and I bring three charges against you. What are the indictments? What are the charges that he brings against them? Well, he brings against the Roman establishment and against the landowners and those individuals who oppress the poor. He first charge against them, the first indictment is that you are hoarding, he's saying to them. 
You are hoarding. In the ancient Roman world, and if you read Pliny and read the, uh, the many um, uh, writings around uh, Rome and historians, you realize that actually when you were wealthy, first of all, you were wealthy because of your harvest in the Roman world. Grain was everything. Everything was about growing that grain to produce that bread. And you may know a little bit of your Roman history that within the ancient world, there were what they called the, the, the bread riots. When in Rome, people would riot because bread became so expensive because the wealthy were exploiting the poor and they were putting the prices up on the wheat. And there were times in Roman history when suddenly normal people, middle class people, everybody rose up and there were riots on the streets because of these elite that were just taking. So it was about grain. Secondly, in the Roman world, wealth was shown through clothing, through what you wear, through how good you look, about the clothes that you wear. We're not just talking designer here. We are talking real bling. And, and honestly, that was how you were known. And the third area is through, through your precious uh, metals, through your gold, through your silvers, through your bronzes, through all the precious metals that they hoard and bring together. And what James is saying to culture... He's saying to the Roman world, you are corroding your very soul by hoarding your wealth and trusting in your wealth rather than trusting in what God can do and the glory of God. You're thinking about now, but you're not thinking about eternity. And like the moths will come, the decay will come, the corrosion will come, and you will have nothing. And in that great Jesus sense of Jesus saying, why store it up on earth when you should store up treasures in heaven? Look to your glory, look to eternity, because ultimately, and we know this through life and studies and psychology and sociology, that ultimate happiness does not come by the amount of money that you have. Ultimate happiness comes by your connection with the eternal God. So he's talking to them, and let's look at this. Now listen, you rich people, talking about landowners. Weep and wail. I want you to repent. You, you start to wail because everything that you're trusting in is absolutely useless because of the misery that is coming on you. He's literally saying judgment will come and judgment will arrive and judgment will come on all people. But particularly his prophetic voice here is that judgment will come on these super rich elite Roman overlords. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. You know, we know that, that, that gold and silver don't actually rot. So it's an interesting statement because, you know, many of us have watched and done, seen documentaries. I love these documentaries when they find a hoard of Viking gold, you know, or some Anglo-Saxon king. They didn't put it in, in, in the Royal Bank of Canada back then. They didn't put it in, you know, a savings union. They put it in the ground and <laughs> buried it where nobody could find it. And then if you happen to get killed then like a thousand years later, some little fellow with a, a metal detector comes along 
and the English field, yes, and he, uh, metal detector people always speak like this in England, and they're just like the most boring people on the face of the planet, and if you get caught in a corner with a metal detector guy, you are literally entering the gates of Hades, and so... And but they go along and then they, they dig it up and there's a hoard of Saxon gold. Google it. There's brilliant stories. Gold and silver. It's not rotten. It's a bit dirty. But it's in the... So what is he actually saying? He's saying in judgment, in eternity, in everything, all of this stuff is rotten when the Lord returns. It's worth nothing. And what you need to trust in is your treasure that is in heaven. And our greatest treasure that is in heaven is Jesus Christ. Yes? That's where your riches are. That's where your glory is. Stop looking down with your metal detector and start looking up to the glory of God. And so he's got this against them. They, they were, Romans made money. They didn't make money through Bitcoin. They didn't make money through selling software these days, the richest people in the world. They didn't make money through Starbucks. They didn't make money through Amazon deliveries. Wow. Yes. Yes. Hasn't that changed our world? I am now best friends with the Amazon delivery man. <laughs> when you've got daughters, they visit. So, you know, it's, it, it was they made money through wine. Pliny wrote as a beautiful, I was reading a beautiful account of his description. He advised all Romans to invest in wine because that will be a great investment for the future. And I hear the Okanagan going, it's true. Uh, invest in olives. Olives, oh, they, are, they, they were worth something, olives. Oil, olive oil, brilliant. Oxen, invest in, I always have oxen. Oxen are the kind of John Deere massive tractors of the time. Invest in slaves, have as many slaves as you can because you know they work for free and you own them. Do this and as a result of their greediness, riots, pain, and this is what James is saying. You're, you're, you're missing. So my first indictment, prophetic, prophetically, he's saying, is that you're hoarding. You're hoarding. And you're hurting because of the hoarding. The second indictment he makes towards them is that actually you are committing fraud. And there's a lot of talk in the news about fraud at the moment, isn't there? About politicians and fraud and different things. Fraud all the time. But truly, these people were not paying correct wages for these workers on their land. They were not caring for them. Literally, they were Scrooge, supersized Scrooge. I mean, Van Gogh, of course, you know the history, was an evangelist. But he became so disillusioned with the church because of our inability to love and to care about social injustice and that we just had money and the world was in pain around and we did absolutely nothing, that he rejected his ministry calling and became a painter, a poor painter, to the point of distress where, of course, he cut his ear off and... And we know the story and painted some of the most magnificent paintings in, in, in history. Uh, I love his, um, 
that one makes me cry when I saw it for just made me cry that one about madness the face of somebody in absolute terror and pain about mental illness I'm not so into the sunflowers you know all right sunflowers how much is that worth 60 million yeah 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 I could do that I could paint some sunflowers yeah I can do that and get 60 million. Uh, the Lord says, don't be a hoarder. So, you know, he said that. No, he's actually saying here that the Lord of hosts is battling and going to war against you landowners. You who exploit, you who are the super rich, you that don't care about wages, that don't care about housing, that don't care about injustice, that don't care about food poverty, that don't care about instability, that don't care about the pain in society. The Lord is coming to you and he is going to make war with you. Like the blood of a... The blood of Abel is crying out, literally, he's saying. So, your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. I think we got that message. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Judgment. You have hoarded your wealth in the last days. Luck, the wages you failed to pay. The workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. There was no heavy machinery. There was no John Deere. There was no this. It was, it was workers. The cries of the harvest have reached the ears of the Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. Literally, this... The NIV doesn't help us here so much. It's the ears of the Lord Almighty. A better interpretation from my time looking at this and from other writers is this. The, Lord, the, the, the harvest has reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Exact same phrase that David used against Goliath. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. So what he's saying is this social injustice of these super rich who are exploiting the poor, not paying their wages, not caring for people. God will rise up and like Goliath fell on the floor, you, Roman Empire, you are going to bow the knee to Jesus and you will fall on the floor and you will be defeated by the smallest thing. But that smallest thing will come and bring judgment in the world. I mean, you can see that James is really really built up here. I mean, you know, it's, it's like, it's, are we going to defeat you? So his indictment against them is that they're hoarding. His indictment number two is that they aren't paying correct wages and not looking after their workers. This should bother us when we talk about free, about wages around the world. It should bother the Western church when the amazing, cheap, manufactured clothing that come to us at like a surprise 
price, it should bother us because we know that often those are created through low, low wages, exploitation, pain and agony. We cannot be blind to the injustices of the world. And we feel helpless, but God has called us to to pray. And the Lord of hosts, in the same way he was bothered about the Roman Empire, actually, theologically, he's bothered about the injustice, the exploitation, the power, the manipulation of mighty corporations around the world. He bothers him when we exploit the poor. He rises up. You can only take this from the text. It bothers him when, and it brings judgment. Look, you have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. So the next indictment is, is that you are living for luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the days of slaughter. You've gorged yourself. You've enjoyed your excess. You've enjoyed all that you've had. Meanwhile, everybody else in that culture are experiencing pain and suffering and agony. You know, you look at the wealth and, and you look at the resources that the richest nations of the world have. You look at the, the resources of of, of, of pop stars and what they have, um, you know, famous, like, uh, I'm trying to remember all my figures here, Taylor Swift, you know, she, she, she earns a lot of money. She's actually richer than 50 countries currently in the world. And what is she, 12? I mean... <laughs> It's like, okay, and I, you know, I did my research, I googled it, I know, just the fat fact is, is it like, you are, you are richer than 50 countries in the world, yourself, you are richer than 50 countries, you know, you start to think, don't you? I, I mean, um, the teenagers say to me, to be fair, you know, she gave a million dollars recently to this disaster, a million dollars here. You know, she's got a lot of money. But just the disproportionateness of what we have and the rest of the world. I've got to take this seriously in my thinking and in my heart, because it's what Scripture teaches, and I've got to get to grips with the, with the reality of this. We've got to get to grips with the reality of what God likes and what God dislikes. We've got to go, okay, the church has a social justice message and we care about injustice, inequality, and pain and poverty in society. We care about children. I mean, it happens here. Every Monday morning, they come and, um, and um, Food for Thought come with all their volunteers. They work here and, and they, you know, they're fe feeding hundreds and hundreds and hundreds 
of children in our schools that don't get food. God cares about that. And thank God that those people answered the prayer and did it and praise the Lord that we can be the building where it all happens in. You know, Food Bank has... Uh, I'm going to quote figures now. I'm going to be completely wrong. But, you know, it is, it's like, I don't know, something like 1,200 people a day come through Food Bank. Is that wrong? Because you... you <laughs> 130 households, so I was completely wrong. <laughs> Just made that number up, yeah, honestly. A million people in Kelowna are suffering. <laughs> I, I, I'll own my mistakes, okay? But you know, that's a 127, you said? On average. Uh, families a day, you know? God cares about that. This scripture makes us, shakes us, turns us upside down. The Lord grabs me like an action man and, by the, and shakes me. Goes, get your signal together. <laughs> you have condemned and murdered the innocent ones who was not opposing you. This is the fourth indictment. So the first one is hoarding, the second one is fraud, the third one is indulgence, the fourth one is murder. Are they literally murdering? Are they literally doing that? Well, actually, by their inactivity, by them removing wages, by not paying correct wages, by inflating food in the economics and in the markets. They're literally murdering people through their inactive and the way that they're handling the economics. That's what it meant. The Roman world was literally murdering people as a result. So what do I draw from this? I draw, number one, that God hates it when we treat people as garbage. Can I say that again? God hates it when society, when we, treat people as garbage. Number one. And we have to challenge ourselves and ask ourselves, do I have that heart? Do I have this? I know they're talking about the super rich here and you can do all the connections with all of your thinking. I don't need to fill gaps in for you. But God hates it when we treat people as garbage. And how do you live in a world like that? How do you live in a world of that pain and that difficulty? How do you keep going and how do you keep moving? Well, first of all, you keep your eye on eternity. You keep your eye on, on, on what God has. But I thought, let's read on. Be patient then, brothers. There are two words here, that are, and the one word is repeated four times, and one is twice. Four times it says, be patient, be patient, be patient. Our spiritual response as a church and this church in the middle of the Roman Empire was 
Guys, be patient. Hold on. Be patient and believe. Be patient. The next thing he makes is, 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 is persevere. Keep going. He says that twice. Keep persevering. Keep going. Be patient. Keep persevering. Come on. Be like a farmer. Wait and see. So he's attacked the landowners and now he changes it. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently wait for the autumn and the spring rains. In other words, right now, right here, be patient, be persevering. Why? Because one day the Lord will return and he will put all things right. He will deal with this. So church, pray. Church, be patient. Church, be persevering. And church, keep your eyes looking up because Jesus Christ one day will return. Isn't it surprising that when in great time, days of, of suffering and pain in our history of hymns, it's through the darkest days of depression that then we start singing about the coming of Jesus. Isn't it incredible that some of the most beautiful songs about the coming of the Lord were written in the... the um, in the uh, implantments of, of, of slavery in the, in the South that took place uh, through that, that horrific era of colonialism, that the, the African slaves and the black slaves, they, they wrote the most amazing songs of waiting for the glory and the coming of the Lord, that he will put everything right. It's exactly what James is doing. He's saying, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming, so wait for it. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord is coming. He is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, Take the prophets who spoke in the, the Lord, name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessing those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. See what James has done? He focuses on the global evil and pain. And at the end of the day, it comes down to two sides. There is evil and wickedness and darkness and exploitation. And there is the kingdom of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. And he reigns and one day he will return and he will put all things right. That's what James is teaching. She says to these churches, be patient. Be perseverance. And would you please get on with each other? Would you please care for each other? Would you please bless each other? Because the world is dark enough. And we need to be a blessing in this world. Wow. And the miracle is, is that I got through 12 verses, 
which means we will finish James next weekend. <laughs> but I could have gone deep in these last six about the second coming. But we are working and planning a series on eschatology, on the second coming, on the global seasons, on what scripture teaches us. Because there's so much chatter about this. We know the Lord's coming, but we need to, with a humble heart, approach scripture and understand. Because it was important for James and it's important for us. And trying to work out, well, he didn't come then. Well, when he is he coming? What's that all about? Well, that's the coming in February. After you've prayed and fasted for 21 days. So don't treat people like garbage. And really do care about the world, economics, injustice. And it bothers you. Let it bother you. Because you've got the heart of God and the heart of James with that. Thank you, Lord, that we can't take it with us. Thank you, Lord, that this is a sobering, challenging, beautiful text that the son of David goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Goliaths of this world. With the injustice. With the insecurity. And we pray, Lord, that we may be people of hope, people of light. We take our little offering, Lord, whether it's baby basket whether it's meals of mercy, whether it's food bank being in our building here in Rutland. We bless food for thought being in our building. We bless Thrive Ministry being in our buildings for after school care. Thank you for the people that we counsel and work with in our community. And forgive us if we don't, if we be, uh, are being infected by this world. And we are being corroded at the very soul level by our hoarding, by our mismanagement of others by a lavish, lavish approach and by our indifference of ignoring, therefore not helping. Above all, Lord, we pray for those who are brokenhearted in our community. And we pray that you will raise up great prophets in the Western world that will speak against great injustice. Raise up people that will speak against the abuse and the oppression of the poor. We feel useless, Lord, sometimes. 
that, that's your spiritual voice, boom. Thank you for compassion. Thank you for world vision, Lord. Thank you for MCC. Thank you, thank you for so many, many, many charities. But may the voice of James boom in the Western church, I ask. And boom in my heart, Lord, please. Amen. Let's stand together.